Welcome to The Life of Jesus. This is Term 4 and Lesson 36. Let's pick up in Luke 1 and verse 21, where it says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Now, as Leon Morris points out, It did not take long to offer the incense, and priests normally came out quickly from the holy place, lest they be punished for some act of presumption. But on this occasion, completely contrary to custom, Zacharias delayed, and the people were wondering why he was taking so long. Usually the priests were in and out as quickly as possible. You know how some people come up for prayer? They just come up and go, okay, quickly pray for me, and I just want to quickly go back to my chair, because who knows what God's going to tell you about me and what I did this week. Okay? <laughs> people, are, people worry about stuff like that. You know, when I was first, when I became a Christian, I worried about stuff like that. I'd go up and think, no, I need healing, but what if God tells the priest what I did through the week? You know, maybe I did something naughty or something, and I think, and I go up and I say, I need prayer for healing, and he puts his hand on me and goes, Oh, you've been a naughty boy! And tells the whole church. <laughs> you know? And it's a funny thing what goes through your mind. I said, I should be afraid of that. You know, I used to think, oh, please, God, please, God, please, God. If I did anything wrong, tell me first so I can repent, you know. Because <laughs> you just get paranoid after a while. And you, you could just imagine, forget the priest, this is the Holy of Holies. This is where God actually is. So needless to say, the priest would kind of go in, do the thing, and out. Okay, it's like an Olympian sprint. In and out, quick as possible, okay, without being unholy. All right, and verse 22. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them, okay, obviously through use of very expressive sign language, and remained speechless. And so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, I like the way they say that. See, Zacharias now knows that they're going to have a kid. For them to have a kid, he needs to be at home. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? And he's like, all right, how long is this going to take? <laughs> okay, so oh, he packed his bags. I think he was ready to go. Okay, and so it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. He raced home. Note the sense of urgency in the language. It's obvious that Zacharias' unbelief had turned to into excitement. And now he couldn't wait to get back to his wife. And just as the angel had predicted, it says in the very next verse, now soon after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And she hid herself, or kept herself secluded for five months. She was in a state where she thought, okay, I need to look after myself. Remember, she's quite old. This is, I mean, as amazing as what God is doing, we still need to be smart. Do you understand? Amen? And we need to do the things, we need to do everything we know to do to not get in the way of what God is doing. Alright, and so it says that she kept herself secluded for five months, uh, probably until it would be obvious to all that she was indeed pregnant. Saying, thus, the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now, And this unjustified reproach or humiliation was about to end in a most glorious manner. With Elizabeth not only having a child, but a child who would be the forerunner to the Messiah himself. And the entire incident being recorded in Holy Scripture forever. It's incredible, isn't it? So all the reproach, all of it is gone. All right. 
<clears throat> now, following this glorious announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, Luke, in his efforts to give an orderly account, fast forward six months to the next significant event that occurred, where just several days' journey to the north of Jerusalem, in a tiny peasant village named Nazareth, there lived a young woman named Mary. That's Miriam, by the way, in Hebrew. And so it says, beginning in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, now in the sixth month, which also happened to be the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, all right? The angel Gabriel, which is the same angel sent to Zacharias, remember? He said, I am the angel Gabriel, remember I'm Gabriel, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, I don't know if you understand the, the geography of, of the area. Galilee is an area, a region of land, that has a whole lot of cities in it. Okay? And so this was one of the cities in Galilee. All right? And um, Nazareth was one of the despised places in Galilee. Okay, so when Nathaniel is going to come along, he's, and Jesus, you know, they're going to say, Philip is going to say, we have found the Messiah, and Nathaniel is going to open his mouth and put his foot in it and say, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. Galilee, interestingly, and we'll look at a little bit more detail about this, Galilee was actually a place of trade. It was a region that was just buzzing. And there was a lot of trade, and a lot of people coming in and out, and so on and so forth. And so... Uh, Nazareth was kind of a little bit behind compared to the, the rest of the cities in Galilee. Do you understand? And so that's the reason why it, it's going to be a bit of a question mark about can any good thing come from Nazareth. All right, And we're going to see why that is said as well as we move on. But getting back to this, that's the reason why it actually talks about this city. All right, So it says again, was sent to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now Chuck Swindle explains, roughly 200 people farmed land, tended animals in the obscure town of Nazareth, which sat in a slight depression, high in the mountains, overlooking the vast Jezreel Valley. This made it a perfect place for a garrison of Roman soldiers to keep watch over the region. And of course, having a group of soldiers in a tiny town with nothing to do can only lead to trouble. Okay. Consequently, the Jews of Nazareth gained a reputation for immorality and became legendary. And that is why later when the disciple Nathaniel heard that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, he curled up his lip and muttered, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Okay. All right. So returning once again to verse 26, reading through to verse 38 now, it says, Now again in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin. Now remember last time it was to a man, this time to a woman. Interesting, isn't it? Alright? Okay. MacArthur writes, The importance of the virgin birth cannot be overstated. And we need to think, talk about this for a minute. Alright? Because it says to a virgin. A right view of the incarnation hinges on the truth that Jesus was virgin born. Now, what that means is that Mary was still a virgin after the birth of Jesus, which is a miracle. That, that cannot happen. Do you understand? But it's really interesting that people will accept that she could have a child without a man, but they can't accept that she was a virgin after she had, had the child. Because it's physically impossible. But it's also impossible to have a kid without a guy. Back then anyway. You understand what I'm trying to say? Isn't it interesting how we'll, we'll accept some things... But not everything. 
And we have to be careful that we don't pick the bits that we can manage to accept and reject the bits that in our mind is impossible. Because if you take a step back and look at it, the whole thing was impossible. Think about having a kid and God just overshadows you and you're pregnant. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That's huge. So if you, th- if you can think that just out of almost nothingness and mid-air, you can have a kid. Why is it so difficult to believe that she'd be still a virgin after she had him? Because we, we can manage one, but we can't manage the other. That's our problem. Okay, let's move on. Again, a right view of incarnation hinges on the truth that Jesus was a virgin born. But Luke and Matthew expressively state that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was conceived. The Holy Spirit wrought the conception through supernatural means. The nature of Christ's conception testifies of both His deity and His sinlessness. Betrothed to a man whose name again was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Henry po- uh, Hendrickson points out that Joseph, who like Mary herself, was of David's house, meaning that both of Jesus' parents were of royal descent. Let me just stop here for a minute as well. Let me just say something else. It would have been wrong for God to take Mary, who was a virgin, and give her back, not a virgin, to Joseph. See, that, you know, it's like, oh, gee, thanks, God. <laughs> okay? Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? That's the reason why we need to understand when God does something... He's not going to give you something back less than what he, what he took from you. He always gives back more. Can you imagine the anointing on this woman? When Joseph would have got her back? My goodness, she had God inside of her. And, and she's still a virgin. Verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Literally, you are full of grace and you have received... Now notice that Mary is a recipient not a dispenser of divine grace. Because people are going to marry for grace. But she's a recipient of grace. She's receiving grace. Do you understand? Amen. Alright. He says, you are in a unique sense, a divinely favored person. And why it goes on to say, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Why? Because she has been shown so much favor. Do you understand? Amen. Verse 29. And you know what? Let me just stop here for a minute. People have sort of said some things about Mary because the Catholics have sort of gone overboard a little bit with it. But let me also say this. She was a very special woman. Don't worship her, but don't take away from her how special she was. I mean, Zacharias didn't do so good. A priest and everything. (laughs) To understand. Here comes a bigger challenge to this woman. And she is going to accept it. And her questions are going to be right. The motives are going to be right. And if she has a question, it's not going to be disbelief. It's going to be, I don't have enough information. And so that's, you know, you know she's our sister. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so all those people that, that bag her, uh, you're going to meet her in heaven. <laughs> that's going to be an awkward moment for some people. Because they've been speaking so badly about her. I think we do this sometimes. We either go totally wrong on one side or totally wrong on the other side when we need to stay in the, in the middle. 
Amen? No, we don't worship her, but gosh, yes, we can learn from her. And we can look at her and say, boy, she was an extraordinary woman for what she did. Amen? She wasn't perfect. Nobody is. So don't try to make her perfect. And then you can appreciate her for the extraordinary woman that she was. Okay. And so verse 29, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Now Hendrickson explained, She knew that she was but a young woman of lowly social position, and therefore could not understand how it was possible for her to be addressed in such lofty terms. Alright? The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That, that was just huge. Alright? And considered what manner of greeting this was. That's why she's going, what, what are you on about? Okay? Because see, she wasn't full of pride. She was a humble person. We've said here, perhaps she wondered what the purpose behind the greeting was. And more importantly, why had she been singled out? So accordingly, it goes on to say, turn the page, verse 30, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, indicating a surprising declaration was to follow, You, a virgin, will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you... Mary shall call his name Jesus. Here we go. Once again, the, the gender is foretold and the name is given. Interesting, eh? This, twice this has happened. Amen. And it says, oh, I love this, verse 32. There's so much to what is being said. You have got lots and lots of quotes, okay? <laughs> lots of stuff. So let's, I'll go through this slowly. He says, he will be great. As Luke records later, they were astonished at his teaching. Remember? Because remember, we, we see, sometimes we need to jump forward a little bit and see what was actually said when he was around, in line with the prophecy that is being given right now. Are you all with me? Okay? So, Gabriel says, he will be great. Luke records, they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. And after he calms the storm, those in the boat say, He commands even the winds and water, and they obey Him. This is what He meant when He said, He will be great. Okay. Also to a dead girl, He says, Little girl, arise. And it says, Her spirit returned, and she rose immediately. And there's some of the reasons why, again, He will be great. And why He will be called the Son of the Highest, or literally the Most High God. The angel was telling Mary that he would be equal to the Most High God. That's, a, that's an incredible statement. Okay, He's saying that you are going to have this child, and this child in you is going to be equal to God Himself. Thereby showing again His deity. And he goes on to say, And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now that's according to Isaiah 9-7, which stated that he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever. See, David couldn't reign forever because David was mortal. He was going to die. But there was going to come a king through the lineage of David who David would call Lord. God, Jesus is going to throw this at them. Alright? And they, they're just going to not, they're just going to flip their lid. They won't know how to answer him when he says this. But there was coming one after David that was going to be, that, was, that lived before David and that would rule and reign on his throne forever. All this to this young little woman. She's like, whoa, I'm still dealing with I'm going to have a kid. <laughs> okay, all right. Verse 33. It says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be 
no end. Again, indicating that it will be a supernatural kingdom. Verse 34, Then Mary said to the angels, angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, Hendrickson so brilliantly writes, Unlike Zacharias, who basically said, I can't believe it, Mary, on the other hand, believes, but she is bewildered and mystified. She has correctly interpreted the angel's message to mean that without the assistance of a husband, she's about to conceive a child. So far, so good. But how is this possible? <laughs> okay? She goes, okay, I think I get what you're saying, but how? That's a good question. Fair enough. I mean, Zacharias, that was bad. He had a wife at home. Mary not married yet. Joseph's going to have nothing to do with this. Uh, good question. How? <laughs> okay, alright. So, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now the Spirit-filled life Bible says, Overshadow is the same word used for the cloud from which God spoke at the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay? Both uses refer to the cloud that manifested the glory of God. That's in Exodus. So I want you to understand this. You know how there was a cloud? Okay? It happened when Jesus was there. It happened when the Israelites were being led out. This glory cloud came. Alright? So if we were to get a visual of this, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see that glory cloud descend on Mary. Are you all with me? And something is going to happen. That's the overshadowing. Alright? Okay. So, let's move on. Couldn't we do some great visuals on that one? Okay, yes, I'm thinking movie. Alright, anyway. Back to this. <laughs> Further to this, Leon Morris says, that Gabriel makes it clear that the conception will be the result of a divine activity, ruling out the crude ideas of mating. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Alright, note, it was not the son of Joseph. Verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth your relative, here comes the news, uh, that's related to Mary on her mother's side, since Mary's father was of the line of David, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. Isn't that interesting? Of her who was called barren. Who cares what people call you? It's what God says that matters. Amen? Alright, Hendrickson writes, In order to strengthen her faith, the angel now directs Mary's attention to what may well be considered another miracle, and possibly hinting that she pay her relative a visit. Okay? Gabriel then concludes with the statement, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Or literally, nothing is ever impossible. And I love Mary. I love her response. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Or, in the King James, she says, Be it unto me according to thy word. I think the angel, I, I, it's not written there, but it should have been, the angel smiled and thought, we got a good one. You know, <laughs> and departed from her. Didn't have to stop her from speaking or make her mute or anything. It's like she just said, let's get it done. And he's like, okay. 
can see why we got sent to you. <laughs> Just if the other guy was as, you know, <laughs> right. So, so this is an incredible difficult thing to do. Chuck Swindle explains. The Jews of first century Palestine saw marriage as a joining of two families. And so, once the decision was made to pursue the... Ma- no, do you guys have this or not? Okay, listen, just listen up, okay? So, I, I, like I said, you know, I just keep studying and I find things and at least I can tell you, tell you about it. Is that okay? All right. So, here we go again. So, the Jews of first century Palestine saw marriage as a joining of two families. And so, once the decision was made to pursue the match, the fathers discussed every detail of the arrangement and prepared a legal contract, which would be read during the marriage ceremony. Vows were made, tokens were exchanged, and the families celebrated. At the conclusion of the ceremony, the boy and girl would enter the betrothal period anywhere from 1 to 12 months, and during the betrothal period, the newly married couple was husband and wife in every respect, except that they were to live with their respective families and refrain from sex. So do you understand all of that? So they are like husband and wife, but you know... As Caroline Leaf says, no ringy, no dingy. You know what I'm saying? Okay, right? So, because then, you know, that ring part hasn't happened yet. So, you know, no messing around. But in the eyes of everyone, they're married. This is what a betrothal was. See, for us, it's like a little engagement, and let's see if it works out. And if it doesn't, you go your way, I'll go mine, and see you later. There was this huge thing that took place. This is why it is going to be so hurtful to Joseph. That after they've done all of this, that she went and got pregnant without him. Do you understand? It was a big deal. All right, that's why I'm reading all this to you. To end the marriage during the betrothal period required an official divorce decree. And if either of them engaged in sex with someone else, it was considered adultery, which could carry the penalty penalty of death by stoning. That's why it was such a huge thing for Mary to say, Be it to me according to thy word. That's why I said, man, we need to take our head off to her. She did a big thing there when, when she said, Okay, let's do this. Amen? Alright, and so with all this in mind, we can now better understand what a brave and exceptional young woman Mary was. To not only have to believe in the impossible and risk the loss of her reputation, but as Hendrickson points out, Mary knew that becoming pregnant at this particular time, before her marriage to Joseph had been consummated, would expose her to painful criticism and ridicule. Perhaps something even worse, as we know, it carried a pen of death as well. But she made a complete surrender. She placed herself, body and soul, at the disposal of God. That's extraordinary. Now, following this extraordinary visit, the news that her relative was also the recipient of a miraculous pregnancy, Mary loses no time in paying Elizabeth a visit. And so it says, verses 39 through 41. And we'll, we'll probably conclude here for today. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. Now, um, it would have taken her a bit of time to get here, because Judah was down the bottom. All right, and it would take uh, Judah is where Bethlehem was. Remember how they had to make that huge journey, and you you know depending on how they traveled, this is going to be kind of interesting when we look at this. 
Samaria was right in between Galilee and Judea. Okay, it was right in between. So what would happen is because they hated the Samaritans, right? They would cross the because the, the the Jordan River was to the right. So if you're looking at the map, it was to the right. If you're living there, it's to the left. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. All right. So <laughs> just looking at the map, top to bottom, it's to the right-hand side. And so what they would do is they would cross the Jordan River. They would travel all the way, just to miss Samaria. Go all the way to the top, and then they'd cross back over and then go to, to Galilee, whatever city. So that was a big journey. All right? Otherwise, you have to go through Samaria. And we don't like Samaritans. So, okay? So I don't know what path Mary took. It doesn't actually say. But it would have been, either way, it would have been a long trip. Do you understand? So it was a big thing for her to do what she's doing now. And so it says, And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth with probably a warm embrace, a few genuinely loving words, and a brief summary of the angelic visit. Her own miraculous pregnancy, how she came to know that her cousin was pregnant. They would have talked. She would have said hi, and she would have said, Oh, you won't believe what happened to me. You can see Elizabeth. Let me tell you, girl. What happened? She goes, I know, I already got told. Verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, obviously in everything she said, that the babe that's now over six months old, leaped in her womb. This is Elizabeth, okay? And at the same time, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Remember how the angel said that he will be full of the Holy Spirit right from his conception? All right? And now that has burst forth from within her, that little child into her own body. Isn't it interesting when the Messiah comes, this happens? Remember, Mary is pregnant. Okay? Alright. So for Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time is extremely significant because except for two occurrences in Exodus, I'm giving you the reference there, this is the earliest mention of someone who is not a prophet, priest, or king being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a sign of things to come. Amen? Because all of God's kids were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Bible says we are kings and priests. Amen. Okay. Now, it was to herald the dawn of a new age, in which Paul said in Galatians 3.28, that there would be neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, that all would be one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm, I'm hesitant to go on with the next section. We have two minutes left, and it, it begins a whole other section that is going to have prophecy involved and um, just some very important things I think maybe we need to keep for next time. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll conclude there for this year and for tonight. And um, we'll pray, finish this session. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm sorry, there's just no place to stop.